good morning. It is so good to see you all this morning. Uh, I want to, first of all, welcome you here. Uh, my name is Pastor Jonathan, and I am so grateful to see all of you here this morning. Uh, that made it a priority to worship on this weekend. Uh, you could have worshiped at Lakeside Baptist or Bedside Baptist, uh, but you made it a priority to be at Mission Dorado Baptist this morning, and I am so excited to see you all this morning. I also want to apologize for coming in late this morning. I've been under the weather this week. You'll probably hear it in my voice. And even though, according to scientists, I'm past the point of being able to share my germs, I don't want to risk it because I love you all greatly. Uh, so don't be offended if I don't shake your hand and I uh, leave early uh, without doing that. I also want to say I missed you all greatly last week. However, I am so grateful for Pastor Landon Coleman, who is the senior pastor at Emmanuel, who came and filled the pulpit last Sunday with an encouraging word for you all. I love Landon. He's a good friend. And I think there's something incredibly special when churches in a city view themselves as allies and friends and encouragers in the ministry. And Landon Coleman and Emmanuel are certainly that to us at Mission Dorado. Last Sunday was also a neat in another way because I had the opportunity to go and to a church plant that we have prayed for, that we have given to financially, that we have gone, that we have knocked on doors for, to tell them that they are not alone, to tell them that there is a church in West Texas that most of its members will never meet or have never met, but this church is praying for them. And God has really blessed this church plant. They've only been uh, meeting for eight months now, but they've already seen 16 baptisms. They've reached 7,500 homes in their community, and they've seen 58 professions of faith. God is doing an amazing work in the inner city Houston with that church, and we praise God for them. And thank you for the opportunity to go and to tell them that there is a church in West Texas that loves them and is praying for them. Yet there is much work to be done there. If you'd ever like to go and knock on doors for them and serve uh, on a, uh, a sports camp throughout the week of this summer, uh, just see me and I can get you in touch and you could go on a short-term mission trip there. Uh, it's not too far. It's just in Houston. And we would love you to go as a representative from Mission Dorado and to serve and to help uh, this summer if you have ability. Now, I want to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know much about sheep. It's probably not what you're expecting me to say, right? But I have seen photos recently in the news of sheep that went missing for years and what they look like when they're unattended. Has anybody else seen those pictures? They look crazy, right? Uh, it just for example, in this past March of this past year in Australia, there was a sheep who had escaped from a farm when he was a baby. And he hadn't been sheared or he hadn't had his wool removed in over six years. And when they took the fleece off, it weighed 88 pounds. See, this sheep had wandered alone, and he had no one to shepherd him, and the weight of his wool was causing him to not even be able to walk correctly. So they said when they took the wool off, it looked like a baby learning how to walk again. And this wool, this weight on his back, would have eventually killed him if he had not been brought back into the care of the shepherd. In our church, we are blessed to have two other men who have served as senior pastors who have finished well. Uh, Pastor Terry Wright, who 
pastored another church in Odessa for many, many years, and Pastor Bob Brecher, who was the founding pastor of Mission Dorado Baptist Church. And I love both of these men dearly and looked at them for counsel and wisdom often. And since I've been at Mission Dorado, I've had the opportunity to do several funerals with Pastor Bob and gone along with him to the graveside. And when he does the graveside, he usually reads Psalm 23, as we did this morning. And then Pastor Bob will often say that he used to wonder why God referred to us all as sheep. And at one time, he went and did a revival down in Ozona, and he had the opportunity to go and be around some sheep. And what he discovered, in his words, is that sheep are dirty and dumb. <laughs> See, what Pastor Bob discovered and what I have read is that more than any other livestock, sheep require endless attention and meticulous care. And see, sheep, if they're lost, they become disoriented and they can't find their way back home. And they spend most of their time eating and drinking. But if they don't have a shepherd, then they'll eat things that are harmful for them or drink things that are poisonous for them. The sheep also, left alone, just like that sheep that we saw earlier, need to be sheared. And so they'll carry this weight around with them if they are not properly cared for. Isaiah 53 reminds us that we all are like sheep and that we all have gone astray. And then Psalm 23, like we read this morning, uh, tells us that the Lord is our shepherd. And without a shepherd, we'll end up lost and disoriented and weighted down by what we should allow the Lord to shear off of us. But not only is the Lord our shepherd, but the Lord is also placed under shepherds within the local church to tangibly lead and guide and protect God's sheep. So what does a healthy under-shepherd look like in God's church? What does a healthy shepherd do? And what does this call us all to do? Through God's Word today, I want us to discover the answers to these questions. Now this morning, we're continuing on walking through the book of 1 Peter. Uh, we've been in 1 Peter since January now, and we have just one sermon left. We've almost made it, guys. One more sermon left in the book of 1 Peter. And through this book, we've been discovering how believers, in this, as believers, this world is not our home, and how we are to live as strangers in a world that is not our home, particularly when suffering comes. And the last time we had opportunity to look in 1 Peter, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 9, and we saw that through suffering, we continue to trust God and do good. Today, we'll find ourselves in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And we will discover how a humble, faithful pastor and how a humble, faithful flock encourage one another to trust God. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. If you didn't bring a Bible today, there should be a Bible in front of you. And you can find our passage today on page 956, page 956. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5 now, verses 1 through 5. It says this, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, 
Not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter begins with this phrase, I exhort the elders among you. Let's break this phrase down just so that we can gain some understanding and meaning to what it is that Peter is saying here. When Peter says he exhorts, he's saying that he's pleading with or that he's earnestly requesting or strongly encouraging the elders among you to do a few things. But before we get to that, what are elders? Who are the elders among you? And what does Peter mean by this? Well, in Peter's day, the leaders of the church, the shepherds of the church, were referred to as the elders. And throughout Scripture, we see that there are two offices held within the church, elder and deacon. And through Scripture, we see the term elder and overseer and pastor all used interchangeably. They're all used as the same. So we can understand all of these terms to mean that one office which are those who care for and shepherd God's sheep in the church. Now, incredibly recently, there has been some that have tried to separate the office of an elder from the gifting of a pastor to try to bypass God's qualifications for an elder or pastor. However, throughout God's word and throughout history, these words have been used interchangeably to describe the same office. And so this recent argument of separating the office of elder and the gifting of pastor is just another attempt of some to try to bypass what God's qualifications are for the office. So just as a reminder, what are the qualifications for the office of elder? We find these in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. I'll just summarize real quick. He says that the man must be above reproach, that he must be the husband of one wife, that he must be sober-minded and respectful and hospitable and able to teach and not a drunkard and not violent but gentle and that manages his household and children well. We see similar qualifications in the book of Titus in chapter 1. And this is a long list of qualifications. However, in both passages, Paul emphasizes how the elder deals with his family. Because this reveals much about how a man would actually work and deal with his church family as an elder. It's also interesting to note how many of these qualifications have to do with giving yourself of service for others. So another qualification that must be noted, and it's constantly debated in our culture in this day, is that pastors or elders must be men. We see this clearly stated throughout Scripture in this must not be misunderstood. Now, this is not to say that women are not honored. They are highly honored throughout Scripture. Men and women are both made in the image of God. And God has used women throughout Scripture to express truth about himself. We see clear examples of that throughout Scripture. But according to God's Word, it should be men alone who are elders, overseers, and pastors, that one office in the church. And these are not my words. These are God's words. And these are his qualifications for who are to shepherd his sheep. So Peter is exhorting the elders among you. What does this mean? Does this mean, he says, elders? Does this mean that every church 
should have multiple or a plurality of elders because he uses that little S at the end. He's exhorting the elders among you. We can understand the New Testament never prescribes a specific number of elders for a particular congregation. But what we can gather from reading the New Testament and reading about leadership in the New Testament is that leadership in the church should always be shared. That it's not good for shepherds to be in the field alone as they are watching over God's flock. Up until last year, uh, we had two pastors on staff at Mission Dorado until Pastor Dell went to plant Cross Community Church in Houston. So we had two elders or two pastors, if you want to use those terms interchangeably. However, for some churches, they find themselves in a situation where they only have one pastor on staff, sort of like the situation that we find ourselves in now. So what should be done? Well, no matter your church's leadership structure, leadership should always be shared. A no-soul leader should be able to rule the church or lead the church in a vacuum without accountability. As sinful humans, that is not a wise thing. Now, at Mission Dorado, like I mentioned earlier, we are blessed to have two men who were senior pastors for many years, and I'm able to seek them for wisdom and to seek them for counsel often. We also have a deacon board that I use as a wisdom board who helps make decisions for our church. See, it's not good for a 30-year-old man to make decisions alone. I know this. God's Word teaches this. And while our current situation may not involve a plurality of pastors or elders on staff, it does involve the one elder or overseer or pastor that we have to not operate without accountability. See, Mission Dorado is elder or pastor, however you want to phrase that, led, deacon served, and congregationally approved. So I, as the pastor, I pray for the direction that God would have his sheep go, and then I lead God's sheep to go that direction. And then our church has five deacons, and they serve, and they are constantly checking on our widows and cooking meals and making sure that water heaters are working and making sure that we have water in the church when a water main breaks, and that's just been this week. However, another way that they serve is they operate as a wisdom board and giving oversight to me as a singular pastor here at the church. And since I am 38 and in my first pastorate, if I get a wild hair or a wild idea, they can look at me and they say, hey, that's not a great idea. Don't do those things. And oftentimes they have to say, hey, Jonathan, let's slow down. Or Jonathan, maybe we don't think that's best. Or maybe yes, but why don't you explain it to us a little bit? And just this past week, I wanted to come and share the gospel at VBS while I was under the weather. I love to share the gospel, and I am an extrovert. I love being around people, and I love being at Vacation Bible School. And I I wanted to be here, and they said, Jonathan, you need to rest, and you need to come, and you need to share. We want you to share the gospel. We want you just not to share your germs. This is wisdom that I need men to tell me and to pour into me and the truth that I need to hear when I'm about to not do things that are wise. And then we also, at Mission Dorado, we're also congregationally affirmed. Not in the way that we uh, come before you for a vote for every single decision that we make. Uh, Otherwise, you would not have hot water or running water today. Instead, you'd be voting on whether you wanted it or not. And I'll assume how you voted. But in the way that we come to you with large decisions that must be made on behalf of the pastor and deacons with recommendations, and you as the church 
You make the decision through a vote. We are congregationally affirmed. This is how we operate at Mission Dorado Baptist Church. So why did I say all this? This is how we understand the term elder in our context as synonymous with pastor uh, that we often use today. So looking back at verse 1, Peter is exhorting the elders among you, the elder among you, as a fellow elder. So Peter's not saying something that's not expected of him, but he's about to list out these expectations for the elder and for himself, and he tells you this as a firsthand witness of the sufferings of Christ and as a heaven-bound brother in Christ. Peter says, hey, when the glory of God is revealed in the return of Christ and we are in the fullness of God in heaven, I will be partaking along with you and I have an eternal hope which is in heaven. So in verse 1, Peter has told us, hey, I'm about to plead with and to earnestly encourage the men who are shepherding and pastoring your church strongly to do a few things. Well, what are these things? Well, look with me at verses 2 through 3. It says this, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, and not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So Peter begins exhorting or pleading with the pastors among you, Hey, you, shepherd the flock. They need a shepherd They don't need an influencer. They don't need a dynamic speaker. Good thing because you're not in luck with me. They don't need a man with the trendiest clothes. Good luck again. And then they need someone to lead them to steal waters, to green pastures, and to fight off the wolves. So Peter Peter pleads with the pastors, hey, shepherd the flock. But also take notice who the flock belongs to. Does Peter say, shepherd your flock? No, he says, Shepherd the flock of God. It isn't the under-shepherd. It isn't the elder or the pastor. This is the flock that belongs to God. Uh, Far too often, pastors can quickly forget this, and they can think, hey, these are my people. And yes, you are here to shepherd them, but don't forget who they really belong to. Don't forget who paid the price for their redemption. They belong to God. This is why you'll often hear me say, God, this is your church. These are your people. And this is as much of a reminder to me as it is to you. We are God's people and I am your shepherd, but I am the under shepherd. My job is simply to point you to the true shepherd who has still waters and green pastures and who is ultimately good. So Peter continues encouraging pastors, shepherd the flock of God. And then he says what? Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. This is huge. In the day of social media, in a day of YouTube sermons, in a day of podcasts, there is a huge platform problem within the local church. Men who pastor are constantly bombarded with people offering to help them build their brand or expand their reach or grow their image. And in our day, the temptation for pastors of the local church is, tried to, is to try to attempt to grow their influence outside the walls of the church. However, what Peter is saying here and what God's word is saying to pastors is, hey, you don't have any people. They're God's people. And the ones that have been entrusted to you are the ones that are among you. So pastor and shepherd those 
who are among you. This is not only a temptation for pastors, is it? It's also a temptation for us all. Hear me, if your pastor doesn't know you, he can't pastor you. He can't pray for you. He can't continue to tell you that Jesus is better. He can't celebrate the births. He can't celebrate the marriages. He can't come to the ER with you when things get bad. He can't come to the funerals. He can't pass you through the fullness of life and tell you that Jesus is better in every moment if he doesn't know you. You can't be pastored by a pastor that you are not among. Now, it hasn't happened often, uh, but it has happened where I'll meet people who I've never met, and then I'll tell them I'm the pastor of Mission Dorado, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm a member there. And I'll look at them and say, oh, really? And I usually run to Misty, and I'm like, who in the world is this? Because I don't know this person. If I don't know you, that means that you probably haven't been here in the last four years. And that means that we don't know where you are. And if we don't know where you are, and I don't know you, then I am not your pastor because I'm not among you. Even our bylaws say that if you haven't been here in 12 months without us knowing where you are, then you're no longer a member in good standing and no longer a member here. However, I'm just going to say this out loud. If you disappear for three months and we don't hear from you and we can't get a hold of you, then I'm concerned. Uh, Think about it. Wouldn't you be incredibly concerned if any one of your family members disappeared for three months without you ever hearing from them? In the same way, we should be incredibly concerned if a church member does that. Where is our brother and sister? Are they hurting? Are they in trouble? How can we love them? Why are you not among us? We need to seek out our brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, not wait 12 months to wonder where they are. People are in the pew. Let's seek them out because we love them and we want them to be among us so we can do life together so that we can fight our sin together. But it's not just here, is it? In our culture, there are some that believe that they're being pastored and shepherded by pastors that they've never met. Uh, but yet they stream on YouTube or they've connected with on social media. And this is an incredibly healthy thing because you're not being pastored. You're just receiving food that was prepared for a sheep in another pasture that you don't belong to, and you're eating their leftovers. Don't do that. If you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, and we do stream for our members that are not able to be here, or you're listening on a podcast, and I don't know you and you aren't a member of our church, Find a local healthy church that preaches the word of God and go there. Uh, This food is intended for the members of Mission Dorado. This is their food. Don't eat their leftovers. So Peter says, hey, pastors, elders, pastor the flock of God that is among you. And at the same time, sheep, be pastored and shepherded by the pastor that you are among. Uh, This is vital for us all. Uh, Peter continues encouraging pastors to shepherd the flock of God in some specific ways. Uh, First, through giving oversight. Uh, Peter uses this word literally uh, to say, have scope over or to look upon. Now, if you've ever been hunting and you've been in a deer blind, uh, then you know that 90% of hunting is simply watching through binoculars or a scope and seeing what's going on, observing. Peter says here then rightly, hey, shepherds, you watch over your sheep. Assess the conditions. Assess their needs. Assess what they are doing so you are able to rightly lead and guard and direct and feed them. And then Peter gives a few words of caution. 
Hey, exercise oversight, but don't do so under compulsion. So exercise oversight, but don't do so forced, but do so willingly. No one wants a pastor or a shepherd who seems like what he is doing is forced. Well, I couldn't do anything else, but I guess I'll watch over you people. Uh, That's not very loving, is it? Uh, That sounds awful. So we should have a desire. Your pastor should have a desire and a, uh, a, a yearning to watch over God's people. Uh, Peter says, do this willingly. A shepherd should willingly desire to watch over God's sheep as God has called him to do so. Secondly, exercise oversight, but not for shameful gain. And there is a stark difference between an elder or a pastor getting paid so that he can serve the church full time and provide for his family than those who use the ministry of the church to steal the sheep's money or to acquire dishonestly like false prophets always do. I've known many good pastors in my day, and most will eat beans and rice if it means that they can love and watch over and protect God's sheep. However, the 5% that make the news and have personal jets and million-dollar homes and vacation homes, Peter says, hey, don't do these things. It is not good for a pastor to do things for shameful gain. Even further, we might understand this as growing your platform or growing in fame. Peter says, don't do these things. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Don't be doing so for shameful game and money or fortune or fame, but exercise oversight over those that are among you, God's sheep. And don't do so for, with compulsion. Don't do so with shameful game. And then also, don't be domineering is what the text says. <clears throat> Leadership can easily go to people's heads, can it? especially if they forget that this is not their church and these are not their sheep. And pastors can be tempted to sometimes sinfully dominate others. And Peter says, hey, don't do this. Uh, This is not a trait that should characterize a pastor. So Peter has exhorted the elders, pleading with the pastors among you, hey, shepherd the flock of God among you, uh, giving oversight. But don't do so under compulsion. And don't do so for a shameful game. Uh, Don't do so domineering. But rather, look at the second half of verse 3. It says, being examples to the flock. Peter says, hey, you scope out what they're doing. Uh, You give oversight so you know how to lead them, to guide them to good food, to protect them from the wolves. And you, uh, you be a good example. Lead by example. See, pastors are supposed to shepherd, but they're not supposed to shepherd without being subject to what they are teaching They are to be leading by example. And this is not to say that pastors are perfect. Uh, We are not. I'm not, if you haven't figured that out yet. Uh, We're all sinners in need of a Savior as well. But pastors are to be an example. And sometimes those examples look like what it looks like to ask for forgiveness because we've messed up, uh, because we're not perfect people. If you haven't figured it out yet, I will fail you, church. I am not perfect My job is not to be perfect. You don't need a perfect pastor because you have a perfect Savior. My job is not to pretend to be perfect or to tell you how perfect or how good I am or to make you think that I am awesome because if it was, you would be quickly disappointed. My job is to tell you how good God is. He is your shepherd. 
And I'm just here to remind you in every single season, keep your eyes on the good shepherd. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He is better. So if you have a pastor who is quick to tell you how awesome he is or how amazing he is, find a pastor who tells you how messed up he is and how good God is to love sinners such as he. Find you a pastor who will tell you this truth that has changed his life, that there is a God who created you and he created me and he created everything that we can see and we can touch and we can feel. He is set apart and he's unlike anything or anyone else. He is holy. That means that he cannot do anything wrong, nor has he done anything wrong. And because he's holy, that means that he can't be associated with sin. Yet every human I have, you have, we all have, we've all sinned. We've all done something against God's law. We've all stolen. We've all cheated. We've all lied. We've all lusted. We've done something against God's law. And this creates a problem because a holy God who is perfect cannot be associated with sinners who have done things against his law. And not because he hates us, but because his character won't allow him to be associated with us. And this is bad news. Because therefore, as sinful humans, we are separated from the God who loves us and the God who created us. But there is good news. God loves you. And God loves you so much that he made a way that you can be reunited with him for all of eternity in a real place called heaven. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to earth as a baby who was fully God and fully man. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. And he died on a cross. And then three days later, he defeated sin and death when he rose from the grave. So if you believe in him, you can be forgiven and saved. If you believe in him, if you repent of your sins, and if you follow him, you don't have to spend an eternity apart from the God who created you and the God who loves you. You can be with him for all of eternity in heaven. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the great news that is available to us all. So find you a pastor who's quick to tell you how messed up he is and how good the good news of Jesus Christ is. That's the example that we all need. Peter continues in verse 4 saying this, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And Peter then reminds the elders once more, Hey, you are not the shepherd. You are an under-shepherd, and these are not your sheep. You're not doing this for shameful gain. You're not doing this for power or fame. But to be an example and to point to the chief shepherd and his goodness. And then when the chief shepherd returns, when he appears you will receive your reward in him, the unfading crown of glory, the eternal glory of God. Therefore, Peter is saying, hey, elders among you, keep pushing, even through suffering, even through hardship, because this world is not your home. So don't be tempted. Don't be allured by shiny things of this earth, but you be focused on the goodness of God and your hope in heaven, which is the eternal glory of God. And you watch over those that God has placed in your care. You pastor them, have a pastor's heart, and shepherd them well so that they too will join you in the eternal glory of God. Tell them how good Jesus is and remind him that he is better. So to answer our earlier question, what does a healthy shepherd do? Well, Peter has exhorted the elders, pleading with the pastors among you, shepherd the flock of God among you, giving oversight, being a good example, pointing them to heaven, and then pointing them towards being heaven-minded, telling them how good God is. 
Peter tells the sheep what their responsibility is to those who are elders among them. And then we have another question. So knowing what the elder's responsibility is and what an elder does or what a pastor does, what is all of our responsibility? What is all of our responsibility in this situation? Look at verse 5. It says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter first exhorted and pleaded with the elders of the congregation, and now he speaks up to the other group in the church, the sheep. And it can be confusing to see the term younger, but we can understand the term younger here to mean those who are not elders or those who are not overseers or pastors in the church. So we can just understand it to be the opposite of an elder. Peter says, hey, your responsibility is to be subject to the elders. We saw this phrase throughout, used throughout chapter 2 and chapter 3 of this letter as well, as we were told how to live as citizens of heaven in a world that is not our home by being subject to those who rule over us in different situations as we live here on this earth, whether it's the government or whether it's our masters or whether it's in different situations. So Peter now is saying, as those in the church, we should also be subject and submit to those that God has placed over us to love us, to lead us and protect us in the church. Peter said it's imperative that you be subject to the leaders that God has placed over your church. Further, Peter then says to us all, all of us, whether elder or whether younger, whether pastor or non-pastor, for all of us, be clothed in humility. See, a church that functions in unity is a church that's operating in humility. And a church that operates in pride is usually a church that operates in dysfunction. And the humility of the sheep says, hey, my pastor is 38 and he doesn't have it all figured out and he'll make mistakes, but he loves me and he prays for me. So as someone who has been given grace by King Jesus, then I'll give him grace. And then the humility of the elder and the pastor says, hey, I don't know it all. And so I'm going to allow these older men to pour into my life. And I'm going to allow this deacon board to function as a wisdom board. And I'm going to listen to them. And I may not know everything that I'm doing, but I know how good God is. And I'm just going to keep telling people every week, don't look for hope in me. Don't look for hope in anything in me, but look for hope in Christ alone. Look to the goodness of God alone. He alone satisfied. Further, Peter quotes Psalm 3 here and says, God opposes the proud, but to those who operate in humility, he gives grace. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of grace. I think we all need a lot of grace. So we need to operate in humility as a church. See, a church operating in humility functions in unity. So to answer our earlier question, what does this call all of us to do? Well, Peter says, sheep, be subject to your leaders. And then for us all, be humble. Clothe yourselves in humility. So in our passage today, Peter has exhorted the elders. He's pleaded with the pastors among you. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Giving oversight and being a good example. And now Peter tells us all to be subject and to be humble. And this has been an incredibly practical text, but today... I want us just to take one brief observation from this text. And this is my observation for us all. 
Find a local church and belong to it. Find a local church that preaches the word of God and belong to it. Find a local church and be shepherded there. Don't walk alone as you follow Christ in a world that is not your home. We all need one another to help us fight our sin. And be shepherded so you can be reminded to find good food and to stay away from the poison so that you can find calm waters that God provides instead of the winds and the waves that are not calmed by God. And be shepherded so you don't become lost, disoriented, and weighed down by what you should be allowing the Lord to shear off your back. Find a local church and belong and be shepherded. Also find a local church and belong and be subject and be humble. Sheep have to also allow themselves to be led, don't they? And humility plays a large role in this. If we're constantly saying that we can do it on our own, then we are unable to be led. Then we're unable to be led to still water, and we're unable to be led to green pastures by recognizing that God never intended for his sheep to wander alone. So find a local church where the pastor preaches the word of God and practices humility so that you can practice humility and you can both encourage one another to trust God more today than you did yesterday. Find a local church and belong. Find a local church and belong and serve there. Christians, we're not to just be consumers, but we are to be contributors to our local church. And church membership is important. Christian, we were never meant to do this alone. Find a local church and belong to it. So in our text today, Peter exhorted the elders, pleading with the pastors among you, shepherd the flock of God among you, and giving oversight, being a good example, telling them how good God is, and then pointing them towards being heaven-minded. And then Peter has told the sheep and us all, hey, you be subject to your leaders and be humble. Our big idea for today is this. A humble, faithful pastor and a humble, faithful flock encourage one another to trust God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Christian, today, I just want to remind you of the goodness of God. I want to remind you that Jesus is better than what this world has to offer. There are so many things that are tempting for us to chase. Chase Jesus. Today, maybe God is calling you to release pride that maybe has convinced you that you can do it on your own. Christian, you need the church. You need a shepherd, so don't end up with fleece on your back that keeps you from walking correctly and unable to walk freely. Maybe today you need to cry out to God to allow you to release pride and walk with a local shepherd. Christian, maybe today you've been allured by being a part of a church that you don't know the pastor, that you're just observing distantly. Today, would you know that God intends for you to be a part of a local body? Maybe today that means you come forward and you begin the process of becoming a member at Mission Dorado. Or maybe, Christian, today things are going great for you. Could I ask you if you would pray for me? Pray that God would allow me to remain humble and faithful to him, that I would seek the wisdom of heaven and that I would walk confidently in him. I need your prayers. 
I know you need prayers. I pray for you as well. Maybe you're here today and you've never proclaimed Jesus as Lord. And maybe you've never experienced forgiveness and you're still trying to earn the favor of God. Hear me say this. You can't be good enough to earn your way into heaven. The only way to heaven is through calling on the name of Jesus that you believe in him, repenting of your sin and following him. Today, God is extending love and grace and mercy to you. We deserve eternal separation from him in a real place called hell because the payment for our sin is death, but yet he offers us forgiveness and an eternity in heaven with him forever if we will just confess and repent of our sins and believe in Jesus and follow him. Today, you can become a believer in Jesus Christ. Have you done this? In just a few moments when we sing and after I pray, There'll be a few men down front, and you can come down, and we can help you cry out to God for the first time that, God, I believe. God, forgive me. God, I will follow you. And you can have the same salvation and know the goodness of God fully that I've been talking about today. Won't you do that? Or maybe you're here today, and you have placed your hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but you've never been obedient to being biblically baptized Today, would you be obedient to Jesus and believers' baptism, telling your church that you believe in him? Or maybe you've been visiting for quite some time and you're ready to join our church family as a member and you want to begin the process of that. Whatever it is that you need to do, the altar is open. And after I pray and we sing, let's do business with the Lord now. Church, I love you so dearly. Let's pray.